right, Bernie Kosar here, absolutely fired up and excited to be bringing you the second weekly podcast of the Bernie Kosar Show with the top dog, the great Hanford Dixon. Dog, I like the way that sounds, you know, the Bernie Kosar Show with the top dog, Hanford Dixon. I love it! Uh, Not much (laughs) is going wrong with that after that season open victory. So excited to be here today talking about our Cleveland Browns past, present, and future. And after yesterday's second victory, season opening victory of this century since 1999 there'll be two 21-1 now since we've come back we're absolutely fired up to be going over that Carolina Panthers game yesterday and Baker Mayfield coming back then absolutely going to be fired up to be going back to the good old days especially when we played those Jets and double overtime and stuff so that'll probably lead into us previewing our jets matchup for the season opener this week and alumni week there top dog bk I, you know it, it's funny i was just sitting here thinking listening to you talk about this whole thing can you believe it's been since 2004 since we have won uh, I, I i mean an opener i mean this is insane i just can't believe it's been that long but anyway it was a pretty but we'll take it any way we can get it. Well, we're going to be going through all that today with our awesome producers, the awesome Gabriella Gab Cruz and Dave Big Play McAllister. Let's get right to it. I know there's so much to chat about, but like you guys said, it's been a minute before since we've had the season opener win. So we're going to kick it off with our opening drive and talk about some of the big plays from yesterday. <laughs> First things I first, mean, let's her, talk about... Her, her, you know, oh. whenever I turn on the TV, there she is in a, in a commercial, you know. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway, we'll get to Superstars. the... Superstars. Uh, we'll we'll get to the... Uh, anyway, we'll dog. get to the opening drive. I mean, you know, whatever she want to call it. Let's do it. Yeah, opening <laughs> drive, you well, know. Well, <laughs> first, let's talk about Baker's performance. Because okay. I know, Bernie, you were a little nervous about this. This was supposed to be Baker's revenge game. I know, Hanford, you actually went on record and said, there's no way he's beating us. But <laughs> let's break down a little bit what you thought of his performance yesterday. Yeah, absolutely nervous, a little bit nervous going into the game, actually a lot nervous going into the game, and actually what we saw yesterday from Baker Mayfield was a microcosm of what we've seen in his four years here with the Cleveland Browns. The first half, with with the way the uh, it materialized, uh, multiple sacks, multiple fumbles, um, a lot of three and outs, balls getting batted down. 10 for 19, 101 yards. If it wasn't for a busted coverage on their two-minute drill, it would have been 9 for 18 for 51 yards. Uh, Struggling to get the team in the end zone, struggling to move the ball. All the things that the naysayers for Baker Mayfield would have been in heaven watching the first half, just like us Browns fans were in heaven watching the first half against them. In the second half, the, the again, the microcosm of it, Baker Mayfield showing that he was um, a first-round draft pick, being able to make plays down the field, being able to put teams uh, on his back, being being able to come back, having a gritty second-half performance to give his his team a chance to win. And absolutely, one of the criticisms, I think, Hanford, you could concur, one of the criticisms and 
issues that even himself would be bummed out about here in Cleveland was that inability to have that two-minute drive at the end of the game, that inability to make plays at the end to put his team in a position to win. Thankfully, we're sitting here so happy today that Baker actually got that monkey off his chest. He did make that two-minute drive to get himself in a position for his team to kick that field goal to take the lead, but actually left us a little bit too much time to come back. But I actually think that he was able now to have a little comfortableness in his ability to come back at the end of the game and put himself in a position to win. You know, and I I, I didn't think Baker was going to play uh, well, but I have to say this, BK, I was actually shocked uh, watching him in the beginning of that ball game because I have to agree with you. I think he was just really, really nervous in the beginning of that ball game because uh, and, and throughout the ball game because uh, when you looked at it, you talked about it. You talked about the balls that was on the ground. I think he had uh, four uh, fumbles, and they were pretty much every single one of them was between uh, the quarterback and the center, center exchange. Center quarterback exchange. Yeah, it was yeah. between the center and quarterback exchange. Now, one thing happened during the ball game uh, he had no control over. He could do nothing about it. I'm talking about the five deflections, the ball where uh, the linemen and, and linebackers or whoever, they got their you know, hand up. And the, to, to those deflected balls, that, that's something that absolutely us quarterbacks um, – take and we we talk about and we think about quite a bit that happened a lot yesterday that's actually one of the things that I was surprised as a Browns fan actually really happy as a Browns fan because when you have a quarterback that you want to get going yeah you always want to get them kind of a couple easy completions early that's absolutely what Carolina Panthers were trying to do yesterday the thing is though our coaches study game film, too. They know that they want to get him off and get him comfortable early with short, concise passes. So I love what Joe Woods actually did with just rushing four guys early. And actually, when Baker Mayfield takes and shorter quarterbacks take just that three-step drop on those short five- to six-yard quick-out throws, which is what Javian Clowney knocked down early. A couple of those deflected passes were just three-step drops trying to throw five-yard routes when I think when you have those type issues, you really need to go vertical down the field, be more aggressive in your play call, be more aggressive in your throws to help spread the field out. Carolina didn't do that yesterday. And that's where I say it was kind of a microcosm of the Freddie Kitchens offense here where yeah. just throw real quick because we're worried about our line. I'm worried about the other team's pass rush. So let me just drop quick, get it out of my hands. And our um, defensive lineman smartly stood around the line of scrimmage and just knocked the ball down. Yeah. Hey, you know, when we're talking about that spike yesterday, that wannabe spike, that delayed spike, one of the reasons I probably implemented the issue with that was when you implement almost an RPO-type concept where you're really looking to throw it downfield, yet if it's not there, you're spiking it. The league got smart with me and the Peyton Mannings <laughs> and Peyton took it to another level of faking the spike that when you're going to spike it, so it's not intentional grounding, you have to spike it immediately. You can't fake it. You can't fake it. You can't delay. And, and that's what he did. He delayed just a little. I'm a homer now, so I'm not saying it's a penalty, but he delayed a little bit, thinking a little bit that's I'm pushing a, the I'm a homer too, days. but that's a penalty. And we got. I'm happy we got away with it. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm happy too, but it was a penalty. Thank you. Hey, thank you, thank you. We're happy to be two twenty-one and one on season opener. So we're gonna take a break because you and me have seen some 
fanatically challenging endings to some season openers that we deserve to catch a little break on that, my man. Hey, Hanford, we were talking about that 75-yard touchdown pass to Baker Mayfield's new friend, Robbie Anderson. A lot of talk about it being a blown coverage. Actually, it's a technique-type coverage. What did you see there from a coaching player perspective? Well, that? I, I, I tell you what, BK, you know as well as I do, both of those guys, they have to work together on that coverage. And uh, uh, first thing, let's, let's start with the corner. One thing the corner's got to do, he cannot give that receiver free release. You cannot give him a free release. You have to get your hands on him. You have to jam him. You have to jam him to the inside so he – cuts down and just go way, way to the inside, take him, pretty much take him right to that safety. While you're doing that, you still have to keep your vision on the outside and make sure nothing is uh, coming towards your outside, which nothing was coming uh, toward the outside. But the most important thing is to get your hands on that wide receiver and then you jam him to the inside so that safety can pick him up. But, you know, I would – you know, I, I I know what you're thinking, you, you know, and, and what everybody else is thinking out there uh, as far as, you know, me, you know, you got guys like Newsom, you got Wards. Do I ever have the opportunity to uh, work with any of these guys? You know what? I, I, we don't. I don't. Uh, because, you know, I don't know for whatever reason. Um, and I can tell you what, I, I look at them in a, on a particular play and I could tell you uh, right away what they did wrong, what happened during that play, why they didn't make the play, why they should have made the play. But no one wants my opinion. Well, you're t- well for you, you mentioned that a little bit last week. Sometimes from the coaching player perspective and understanding the players and, and details of assignment and foot position, hand position, um, I'm biased and I absolutely concur with you. It's actually even a step further. Not only did we not get the healthy – the current players, we don't even get to hang around the sponsors and that <laughs> right, stuff to right, keep that away. Right. But from the coverage perspective, and it's, this is not a shot at all of the DBs or the staff of not getting a jam on the receiver or in particular on cover four, cover two, two deep five under the slot receiver. They didn't get a jam on. That's actually a trend in the league. I mean, you see that uh, on just about all the teams. God bless Marty Schottenheimer, Dave Adolph, how they coached the details of the assignment. You always got your jam, and, and just, you did not get a free release. And just so everyone, everybody knows, the rules today is you have up until five yards. You can jam them up until five yards. Obviously, when they get past five yards, you have to let them go. But you still, you could do what you want to them within that five-yard range. And we talked about it last week on the show, and it was highlighted in the game and in a Around the league, the refs, the, the referees, they're looking to call that defensive holding penalty post five yards. Your only time you're really allowed to get after it, get that physical contact, slow down his, slow down that speed is in that jam on that first five, uh, first five yards. BK, you know what? I, and, and and you hit on it. I mean, we have to. I I guarantee you, I give Joe Woods a lot of credit because when that defense and what they did. Him uh, just getting those guys ready to go, making them aware of when uh, Baker's not one of the tallest quarterbacks uh, in the uh, NFL. And if they can't get there with that pass rush, get your hands up in the air and knock those balls down. And as a result, I mean, it came down to five deflections. Well, again, he was a little bit, uh, he was a bit nervous. But one thing I have to say, cannot believe 
that defense it gave up only six yards uh, in the first quarter. But one thing, uh, as far as the defensive player, hey, I have to say you, this. I'm going to get on you about this one because you know, as a defensive player, when you guys out there and you're not playing, you're going one, two, three, and out, we're giving you a dirty look over there. That's all. And vice versa, you guys are doing the same thing uh, to us. But I know the Carolina Panthers was giving Baker that offense a dirty look yesterday. I'm going to absolutely concur with you there. That, that does. <laughs> Does transpire the defense does give you that look let me just say and this isn't a hedge and let's go back with the all the statisticians that we got working here gab and dave that god rest his soul i never had six yards of total offense in the first half and i'd have been suicidal if that would be the case and i would have been giving me that dirty look so absolutely get that and to have that inability for for Bake and the offense to make plays and only have six yards yesterday, if we really had an opportunity to put the nail in the coffin right around halftime, then if they don't get that drive, if we don't really blow the coverage to get that 50-yard throw with the tight end up the seam, um, that, that confidence, that dirty look, uh, transfers over in the halftime and ha goes into the locker room when they were able to save face when he's able to save face with a little bit of a score to come out and then um, to be able to to come out in the second half and know that they put some points out there actually made that that look a little less but absolutely you're so you're so spot on with I that. have to tell you this though and you have to agree with this um, you know whether you like Baker or not I just thought he threw an absolute dime, an absolutely beautiful pass. Talking about the 75-yard touchdown pass he threw to Robbie Anderson. I mean, that was right, hit him right in stride, BK. You have to admit, though, that was a beautiful that's, pass. That's one of the plays we have up. We have up the kind of show and diagram on it. You know, I've been talking a lot. And absolutely, it was a gorgeous pass, gorgeous read, absolutely game plan. I've been picking on. I'm not picking on people because in early in seasons you're going to have miscommunications. You're going to have pre-snap uh, mistakes, uh, penalties on your offense. You're going to have coverage mistakes in your secondary, like we're talking about about the seam that Baker hit for 50 yards to let them get their first touchdown. Um, when you first look at that open touchdown of Robbie Anderson yesterday, which was kind of funny that the Robbie Anderson <laughs> says, I don't want Baker Mayfield to come. And then he hits him on a dime 75 yards downfield that that appeared like it was a broken coverage, why that was open so much. But actually that's gorgeous game planning versus a quarter's coverage. And when we draw up there, how Robbie Anderson got open on the outside guy on a post, with the inside slot receiver to that to that side, putting pressure up on up on the safety. I'm gonna we're gonna talk through old coach Marty Schottenheimer and how you always got a jam on the slot. You didn't give him free releases to get up on the safety. But that's gonna that, that's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to uh, uh, watch that whole thing and and see that uh, diagram because I'm gonna dive into those uh, because you know that was between uh, Newsom 
and uh, the uh, free safety on that particular play when they let him just uh, go. But you're right. You can't – I mean, the communication was just horrible on that play between the defensive back and the safety because I'm sitting there and I'm watching those two guys. And then uh, the first thing you, you tend to do uh, when, when that something like that happens, they start pointing at each other because right. they know the guys uh, uh, that that's calling the game, they're going to say whoever's pointing, they're going to say, oh, uh, uh, Newsom was expecting help from the safety and the safety's going to say, oh, uh, uh, he was expecting Newsom to ride that guy all the way. But either way, it's just totally ridiculous play. You cannot give up a 75-yard touchdown in a game like the way we were playing yesterday. I concur. My my brain, my concussed brain went off on a tangent about how DBs and people uh, for TV try to deflect criticism, deflect blame by blaming and pointing on that. That's you. Where are you yeah, up yeah, over there? Yeah, yeah. The great Dan Marino had an awesome. He had an awesome way of doing this. He would say we he'd go up to his receivers and go yell at him. Look like he's yelling. That's my fault. That's my fault. I I, I blew that right, one. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and the receiver know it was this, but you know, but everybody on TV, you're right. Yeah. They thinking that oh, Dan is just chewing uh, uh, the receiver <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm gonna get you on that next one, my brother. Exactly, I love it. I, roof, roof. <laughs> I like that. I had to bark at that one. I like that one. <laughs> and as we're talking about quarterbacks and homeschool quarterbacks, um, Gab, what do you think about our guy Jacoby yesterday? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, uh, the, you're the quarterback perspective here. I know that Hanford even brought up nerves on Baker's behalf, but probably for Jacoby too. So maybe not his best performance or the best we'll see of him, but let's break down what you thought of him. You know, we were talking about nerves and stuff, and I, it, like life football players, I think we all want to pretend we're not nervous. We all want to pretend we're cool. Let's be clear. We all get nervous out there, myself included, when you're going to play, even at the top of your game. There's always that anxiety going on within you. So for Jacoby, um, for anybody to be a little nervous yesterday, that's absolutely understandable. I love he got the W. That's all that matters. He got the W. I think absolutely it shows that when you don't, when you don't have preseason and you're, you're new to a system, you're new to a team, you're rusty early. It was both teams offensively early in the game yesterday. It was it was tough, uh, too, too bad offense for both teams. Awesome to be able to run the ball. But how Jacoby handled himself at the end, I really was awesome and proud and excited for him to see that raw emotion. You know, people said, ah, he's crying. He can't do that. I love it. You'll see me crying, too. Well, you know, that's what I was just getting ready to say to you. I mean, tell me, what, are you happy? Are you, you proud of him? Because, he, you know, he showed some emotions, practically cried after the game. I mean, I've had some concerns about Jacoby. You remember I talked about it. I told you this. I said I had some concerns about him. This guy... Uh, just haven't uh, won me over yet. And after watching him, he still has not won me over because when you look at him, I think he averaged uh, 4.3 yards uh, uh, per attempt. You look at, uh, and, and I'm going to talk about two of his uh, supposedly be main targets. You're talking about Amari Cooper and then Njoku. Uh, those guys, they, I think they had four catches for a total of 24 yards. A total of 24 yards now. Um, sure, he came back and, and, and at the end and, and he had the little drive. I mean, I think uh, DPJ uh, uh, caught a few passes. I think he had five receptions. He caught six some. Catches, he, well, yeah, yards, you know, so. he, he did some good things. But I mean, let's face it. Let's face it. Let's hear the truth here. Yeah, let's, and, let's hear and the, the truth. And the truth is, 
if you look at, if you look at, be, the lineman took his guy and pushed him back into the quarterback, and they call roughing the quarterback. Now, you, there's an extra 15 yards right there. Then, I don't know if we can talk about this right now. We're going to talk about it later. But Jacoby, well, yeah, we're talking about Jacoby Brissett. Why am I going to wait and not talk about this? Jacoby Brissett, they should have called a penalty on him. And you know, as well as I do, that is illegal what he did because he looked out at Cooper first and to see where Cooper was, and then he came back and tried to spike that ball. Now, I want to hear you talk about that spike because I know it was not legal. So I absolutely love your preparation. (laughs) I absolutely love how you got your facts down perfectly and your stats down. So beautiful and stuff. But please, let's not screw this up with the facts here now. Okay, let's talk more macro here. And I don't – and in the spirit of levity – I actually concur with just about everything you said there. I'm not just saying that to be nice and stuff. But from a from a more macro side of it, I, I absolutely love, and from the teammate perspective and in the locker room, all those things need to be worked on. Yes, he was rusty. The team, I think, around him was rusty. The receivers um, aren't integrated just yet. Amari Cooper didn't play in preseason. He's got to get his football legs underneath him. But from a... Whether or not the storm of the next 10 games and the 11 games that we've been fixated on with Deshaun being suspended, you know, again, I'm not trying to over-dramatize just making a play or two. And you're right. It was just a couple of plays hitting, hitting Donovan Peoples-Jones to, uh, to, uh, on the two-minute drive, hitting Anthony Schwartz on a third down in the fourth quarter to, to get a – to get a field goal. There's just a handful of plays. But that that emotional crying at the end, getting choked up, kind of the inability to do some of the press conferences afterwards, I actually think it really showed his teammates and it absolutely showed me that winning matters, that he cares. And I know that's we, we say, people, that we all care, but when you generally show that raw emotion, I think it's going to help galvanize this team to have the hopefully keep this us against the world Well, mentality. he can show that raw emotions, but I think what he should have done is he should have went up uh, personally to all those uh, offensive linemen who was on yeah. their game and, on and, game and and just pull those guys and say, look, right now, I don't care what you guys can really do, grab your family, your wives, or whatever, I'm taking everybody out because I tell you what, he was sacked only once throughout the entire game. He was hit only four times. Four times was he hit, and we're not even going to – I guess we're yeah. going to get into four, it a little bit later. Four but, line for Coach Callahan. Oh, oh God. To hell, I was even more nervous with Conklin being out and then the swing tackle, Hubbard not being there. So Hudson, who really had issues against speed rushers last year, and now we're up against – uh, Brian Burns, the nine and a half sacks last year, speed rushers, three of them for Carolina. Um, all kinds of things were stacked up negatively for him. So our O-line absolutely stood the test yesterday. Well, I could tell you this. You and I right now could have rushed behind that line yesterday. You and I. And that's saying something. If you and I could rush behind that line, that offensive line was okay, really doing a good all job. Right. That, those are some. Uh, you really, okay, all right. He's spitting the facts out here. Speaking of facts, Hanford wants to get out there. Okay, what did you guys think of Stefanski's play calling? He got Schwartz involved a little bit. What are your thoughts there? You know, from the coach Stefanski which, and the play calling, you've seen a lot of that through the year. Uh, last couple last year and through the preseason about debating the play calling 
guessing on um, game planning and how you uh, structure plays through the game. Anthony Schwartz, God, we talked about it last week. <laughs> Everybody threw training camp. We crucified him. We put the nails in the coffin. We threw the hammer away, and we buried that coffin. For Chad O'Shea, the, off, uh, the wide receiver coach, for Alex Van Pelt, the offensive coordinator, to implement a game plan, and for Coach Stefanski to implement ways to get his confidence in there, to put him in there. We talked last week about the creative personnel groups, motions and shifts that the Browns like to do, Coach Stefanski likes to put in with the, with the backs and with the tight ends. He implemented a really cool personnel group with Anthony Schwartz to – He's known he knowing he's having trouble in the running game, knowing he's or, and catching the ball and then getting open. So he implements him into the running game with a jet sweep and a reverse to kind of get his confidence going. And then he has his confidence and he's able to make a play on third down in the fourth quarter, make a catch. Well, yeah, I, Anthony Schwartz. I, I mean, I'm, my hat's off to him. I mean, my hat's off to him yesterday, and, and you're right. All the points you hit on, you're exactly right with him. I think he had, uh, he gave him two reverses, uh, I think, for a total of 20 yards, and, and it got him going, got him in what we call in the flow of the ball game. And uh, because we know this kid is fast. We know this kid, uh, and, and I'm, I agree with Kevin Stefanski and everybody else. I'm not ready to give up on this kid yet. Uh, even though we drafted him, I think he's going to contribute to this ball club. He's going to contribute on offense. And I think as each week goes on, hopefully he's going to get better. But as far as the uh, uh, play calling, um, I think it was all right. I'm not going to give him uh, – um, an A plus or anything like that on that uh, because I think uh, a, a lot of times when you know he's trying to throw the football, we're able to uh, run the football. Let's keep that going. I mean, he's got a and and I, you know I know a little football. Stefanski knows some football, but he's got to understand at quarterback he doesn't have a, a Bernie Kosar throwing the football. I mean, he doesn't have uh, uh, Dan Marino throwing the football. He doesn't have uh, a John Elway throwing the football. He, and, and this is no slight on Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he, this guy, you know, he, he's coming out and he's giving you everything that he's got. And he threw some good balls. Mm -hmm. I mean, but uh, as far as the play call, and I'm not going to give him a A, a, a uh, sure, we got the win. You know, he got us the win. Uh, let's let's give him credit with that. But I guarantee you, he was worried over there. Well, I'm, I'm with you on, on – I must talk more about the Anthony Schwartz in terms of how the play calling got him implemented into the game so that Anthony Schwartz was able to have a productive day yesterday. Absolutely, I um, – the play calling overall. Hey, just like us players need to get our game yeah. feet under yeah. us, yeah. coaches and game planning yeah. and coaches and play calling yeah. and understanding each team each year, your team is different. So understanding who you are and who your team is, the, the play calling stuff tends to come al along with that too. And that's actually one of the other plays I think we had drawn up. See, what a lot of people, you know, we just want to make sure you guys understand this, which you probably don't know, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. And uh, BK, you could hit on it real quick. But uh, as an offensive coordinator, regardless of who the, who the offensive coordinator, whether he's the head coach or, or just a uh, Van Pelt, an offensive coordinator out there, what these guys do, they script. Uh, before the beginning of each ball game, they script. But how many plays, Bernie? Is it about? Yes. So um, some teams uh, would script their first ten to fifteen right, plays. Right. Some our our team tends to be fifteen to twenty. 
Yeah, they, they script these plays uh, uh, to try to get a feel what you say to get in a groove for the mm-hmm. ball game. But again, I'm not giving him an A. So that and that's where the scripting of some of those plays like and, and to the play calling. And I'll start. I, I kept my play calls and I kept some of my game plan sheets and I'll bring them in through the course of the next couple of weeks and stuff to show you with it. But just like um, one of the plays we have to talk about today in terms of the play calling, there was a situation, whether it's scripting the first 10, 15, 20 plays of the game or you script sit down and distance situation. So a situation that came up a lot yesterday was third and two, third and three, third and four. How you call plays in those third and two, third and three situations. Um, we had a situation yesterday with Nick Chubb and stuff. We have it up here on screen right now. So third and two, third and three. In the old days when we were playing back in the 80s around the 50-yard line, that's almost 75 80% of the time a throwing type situation because we're going to punt the ball if you don't get it. In today's new NFL with data analytics and an awesome running game, uh, teams are going for it on fourth down now. So how you call plays yesterday when it's third and three, third and four, you have really two downs now to get that, which really encourages yourself to be more physical and have the ability to run the ball. Well, you know what I say? I say the hell with those analytics. I say the hell with the way they're calling the game because Savansky made me mad one time yesterday. I mean, he was getting ready to go for it on fourth down. I thought he had lost his mind. I mean, totally, totally lost his mind because I think the only thing saved us was they called uh, Rude and those guys, they call a timeout. And, it, and that gave Stefanski time enough to think about this whole thing, and then he changed his mind. He, he didn't go for it because if he would have gone for it and not made it, the field position would have just been great for the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, I, when these guys on these fourth downs, I, I mean, I don't know. I think what you have to do is you have to – get a feel for your quarterback. You're on the field. You know whether or not right. you got them on their heels and whether or not it's the time right. to go for it on fourth downs. But right. <laughs> but I like the even taking a step in front of that, what you do on third down is predicated on what you may or may not do, do on, on fourth, fourth down. down. So like yesterday, we had some third and threes, and we weren't sure how Jacoby was handling it, how the – the receivers were getting open. Our running game was massively successful Ugh. yesterday. Like the play we just had up on third and three. You know, um, you have the you have the fronts and and you have the safeties lined up deep in the twelve yards and cheating away from it to run Nick Chubb left and get twenty yards like that, or to have like on the touchdown run by Kareem Kareem Hunt. We talked on the show last week. Uh, Chief David Njoku has been catching some flack sometimes about dropping passes. He has athleticism down the field. What he's been able to do in the blocking run game, uh, in the power O game, um, has been something that's really helps our running game. It was clear yesterday situations like that came up, like on the running game where you got offense line gashing holes. Okay, guys, we're going to kick it back to the old days because everybody likes to tune in to see or to hear about your stories, and we're going to have plenty of those on the show. Check us out on Twitter, our mid-show plug. Okay, so some of the fans on Twitter asking about the Jets' double overtime where, Bernie, you get sacked by Gastineau, that playoff game. Let's bring us back in time and bring us to that moment. Well, I tell you what, that's one of my favorite games because uh, it, well, it, it, you talk about the dog pound going crazy. I mean, just going, going crazy. And I always talk about how we uh, uh, draw a lot of energy from those guys, but 
this particular day, it was just absolutely crazy. BK, first of all, you okay? Because that's when, uh, uh, you know, I remember Gastineau hitting you right in the head. Do you well, know? Between, that, between that Gastineau shot, actually, you can see I'm wearing a shirt today from that era had Gastineau, Lawrence Taylor. This is Michael Kofer who decapitated um, part of me and a couple of broken ribs there. But that game... Uh, the magnitude of that game, our first, that was the first playoff win that the Browns that we had had in, in that decade, really. And to be able to uh, come back and have that hit, have that experience, <laughs> and survive it to be here today, absolutely is apropos for the excitement that we're all feeling after a season opening uh, victory and stuff. But that game was... if. If we want to get into a ton of detail about it, which obviously with my elevated enthusiasm, I don't mind doing that. You didn't throw two interceptions that game, did you? Well, that's for the – I would rather talk about the winning stuff and all the, <laughs> okay. the ultimate end result, which is okay. what us quarterbacks okay. are judged on. But So it's actually like me and you did a production yeah. meeting yeah. beforehand yeah. and yeah. you teed yeah. me up because yeah. that's actually where I was going was yeah. – you know, I, I love to talk and on this show, you want to talk about the high points, the positive stuff, but in reality, a kind of a life lesson for me is really looking at some of the negative things and, and really facing uh, facing them head on. Heck, almost like uh, like my sign behind me, scrambling. Um, scrambling is the opposite of running away. It's facing your problems head on. And in that game, um, we had we were going to beat the Miami Dolphins the year before in the playoffs. We had them twenty-one to three at halftime. They they appeared to be the better team supposedly. We were the young team. I actually thought we were better that year. But in my rookie year, I'm so proud to have won the division. I'm proud to have been playing in a playoff game. But we lost, so I'm not happy about that. Now you fast forward. Here we got the Jets double overtime game. We got the game that isn't going to go into overtime because I had thrown back to back picks. Um, in the fourth quarter, which is like sacrilegious for you young quarterbacks to do that. Thou shall not throw picks when you're at the one-yard line th and about to score. I think that's the first time I ever saw the dog pound mad at you. It was the quietest the dog pound was. So here you are. You almost have your life flashing in front of you to where, man, you don't want to end this season. You don't want to be responsible for the guy. We were talking about earlier in the show, Top Dog, about you don't want the defense looking at you when you only had six total yards of total offense I never did that I didn't know what that feeling was I did know what the feeling was of blowing and throwing two picks in the fourth quarter and you guys are so cool but nobody really wanted to make eye contact with me and if there was a bomb a hand grenade that would have went off around me there was nobody <laughs> around me but Danielson so to have that play to have that kind of roughing the quarterback call uh, happen, giving us a, a, a little secondary life to make those plays and then come back. It, it really was one of the kind of foundational things that led me on to never quitting, never and always believing in yourself and always coming back. On a serious note, though, I'll say this. One oh, thing, I was serious. One thing, one, <laughs> thing, one thing about us, and, you know, I was talking about those two interceptions. One thing about us, we win as a team. We lose as a team. Oh, not one we person was done. Never, we never, exactly. never. We we don't blame our teammates. We we all take the blame, and that's the way it works. And that'd be a good thing for those kids out there today. Just remember this: football is a team sport. You win as a team, you lose as a team. BK, you know, I was sitting here and I was just thinking about this because, uh, you know, we were talking about that spiking and him spiking the football where it should have been a penalty and all this. And uh, I was just going back to some of our practice days and. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, 
But you used to make us mad as hell in practice. I mean, you used to make us mad, mad, mad. Actually, you, you are the cover. You we came, still, yeah. came up with that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. As we're doing our podcast, we're not trying to take credit for the invention of fo uh, football and how it's played and stuff. But I was, again, with my limited athleticism, my kind of inability to run and stuff, I did not want to waste plays. I did not want to give up plays. So in 1985, I'm reflecting back on two-minute drives, almost like we're talking about with Jacoby yesterday and Baker coming through with his two-minute drives of what could I do better at those. And in the offseason in 1985, I noticed on these like spike plays, clock plays, that the defenses, everybody's standing around. So I went to implement a play and a way to maybe take advantage of yes when you spike or clock it it takes maybe a second second and a half to do that if you time it up perfectly and in a well-run offense you could run the six yard out in 1.7 seconds you should be able to get out of bounds in 2.1 seconds so to the ability to even yesterday, I really looked at it, and I think we, we may have – we can maybe find the play up there. But if you look at the, the fake spike play that we had, that yes, by the now the rules we've created now – so many rules by doing that 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 actually probably is a penalty not to do that. <laughs> but the, in 1986, we came up with, and me and Gary Danielson in the meeting rooms came up with this after right around this time of the year, like week three, week four in September, of how in two-minute drills to practice and take a quick out if they're off, or eventually you guys started getting mad at me because we were taking the quick out and we are getting six, eight yards and only taking 2.1, 2.1. 2.4 seconds and then and if that, we came on that out you was going to hit us with that with that deep right one. so <laughs> so instead of yesterday's 58 yard field goal which our boy Cade York made it god bless that's amazing but statistically instead of having a 58 a 55 yard field goal you hit one or two of those spike plays now it's a statistically you're kicking a 40 yard field goal 45 yard field goal and then you yeah exactly you would get so grumpy you guys started coming up then we would throw the fade off of that well big dog we can't end this show without talking a little bit about those jets i mean obviously that's our opponent that's coming up uh uh this week the jets had a big big game uh they played the uh baltimore ravens uh, i was talking to ozzy and he said i was shocked to know that they just took the train over uh, to uh, New Jersey uh, to play those guys. And we know the Ravens handle them uh, pretty convincingly. Uh, what do you think about this ball game? Well, I, I first, there's a, there's a hidden fact that the New York Jets have not won a regular season <laughs> game in the, in the, in the <laughs> month of September in the last four years. So let's keep that streak alive. So you okay. like our chances. So let's keep that alive, you know. The the Jets and coach Coach Robert Sala, the defensive specialist, coming from the 49ers, he had a massive pass rush there. He's trying to implement that massive pass rush um, with the Jets. The Baltimore Ravens have a phenomenal running game. Uh, the Jets do a good job of rotating their defensive line. They got depth at their defensive line. That worked out well for them uh, yesterday. But... And I'm not trying to dump on Joe Flacco, but Joe Flacco's struggling. Yeah, I yeah. mean, oh, my God, yeah. that offense is struggling. They're somewhat thin at playmakers. 
Joe Flacco, like myself, were a dead man walking in that pocket with our pass rush right there. And when you could get pressure, and Coach Woods, again, I know he took some flack for it, but when you could just rush four and and get your defensive ends coming up the field and nailing like that, you're in really golden shape. I actually think we could actually probably see a – Mike White type QB change, you know, the Western Kentucky Hilltopper came in last year when when um, when Zach Wilson was hurt. So, well, this is a game I think that we should be able to move the football on him. Uh, talking about offensively, because you look at Lamar Jackson. I mean, obviously, he threw uh, three touchdown passes on him, and I'm telling you, they wasn't short touchdown passes; they were long touchdown passes. And you hit on it. Uh, they have a. Uh, Baltimore has a pretty good running game. They like to run the football. We like to run the football, so we should be able to uh, obviously run the football on them. But when I look at it, we got a golden, golden opportunity uh, this week to uh, uh, be 2-0 and uh, because I cannot see the Jets beating us. Uh, plus, we have them at home. And another good thing, this is alumni weekend. Everybody will be in town. All the boys will be in town. And uh, can't lose uh, on alumni weekend. So I'm kind of looking forward to this one. But, uh, my man, I'll tell you what, you and I are massively looking hey. forward to it and not trying to be a homer. <laughs> but the schedule gods and the football gods matched us up perfectly from a football perspective and X and O perspective. The Cleveland Browns match up awesome against the New York Jets. So this is, this is a game. This is almost what we used to joke about. This is almost like you used to say a get right game. You and I, another good show. You matter. Go Browns.